Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for our weekend preview. Newcastle United travel down to the Emirates as they face Arsenal on Monday night. It's been quite a while since the game, given it has been the international break. But Chris Woff joins me to preview this game. He'll be heading down over the weekend. Um, Chris, on paper, the stats suggest that this is going to be nothing but an Arsenal win. Yeah, I have to be honest. <clears throat> I'm predicting an Arsenal win as well. They're in very good form. Whereas Newcastle, away from home, haven't won in the Premier League yet in 2019. Newcastle's positive form this this year, sorry, this calendar year, has really come it's St. James's Park. Their record at the Emirates is very poor. Their record in London in general is very poor. And really, it is one of those games where everything points towards an Arsenal win. But that would be the beauty of it if Newcastle were to right that wrong and make sure they actually got a win. But I mean, the statistics <laughs> do make for quite scary reading. I'm just going to read a few off because they are quite. Uh, it's quite a long list. Arsenal have won their last six home Premier League games against Newcastle, scoring how many goals? Uh, 18. It is 18 and conceding just five. Newcastle have lost 11 of the last 12 Premier League games against Arsenal, home and away, and winning the other 2-1 last season at St James's Park. Um, Arsenal, uh, only Newcastle, well, Newcastle have only lost more games to Man United than they have Arsenal, 27 against Arsenal, 28 against... Manchester United I feel like I'll be making everyone a little bit depressed here so I'm going to look for a positive stat um, quite honestly there isn't one even Rafa Benitez's managerial career with Chelsea and Liverpool plus Newcastle is pretty bad um, he's played seven and he's won none against Arsenal which that is a, that is a big shock yeah and I'd, I'd in some ways would quite like to make out as if it's a positive Newcastle have had the full international break to prepare to face Arsenal but the reality is that Arsenal actually have had a longer break because they didn't play in the weekend immediately before the international break albeit that Arsenal have had a a significant number more of their internationals have gone away on international duty whereas Newcastle have had yes Almiron, Rondon, Yedl and a few of them but there have been a larger core of players for Benitez to work with and come up with a, a specific game plan but then again because it's a Monday night both managers are going to have another few days with their players. So it's a, yeah, I mean, all the statistics and all the evidence points towards this should be an Arsenal win, but Newcastle and Rafa Benitez have thrown up surprises before. And I certainly think they'll go with a game plan, which they believe can get them at least a positive result, maybe a draw, if not a win. But really, in my heart of hearts, I think the likelihood is that Arsenal are going to win this one. But what will be the game plan? Because as of late, we've seen kind of different Rafa Benitez side conceding a few goals, not really what we're used to, considering, you know, the defensive record has been quite good, but obviously against Everton, conceded two goals that they really shouldn't have done, and um, poor defending against Bournemouth, obviously, again, conceded another two there. Given the fact that Fabian Scher 
is missing missing through suspension, which is actually probably a good thing considering what happened on international break with the whole concussion. Um, but Lejeune, Lascelles, and Cher have been really strong. Fernandez came in against Bournemouth, didn't really have the best of games. You would you would probably see him staying in the first eleven if indeed Lascelles also is missing through injury. Yeah, I can't see a significant number of changes in that regard. Benitez does like to make changes after an international break in certain positions, but I don't think this is an archetypal international break because Newcastle are playing on a Monday night. It means the players who are coming back have a little bit of extra time. And in those positions in, in central defence, if they are playing with three at the back, I think it'll be a similar team. I, I, I think Newcastle won't necessarily switch formation, but what it will be is rather than a three four threes it has been quite a bit I think it'll almost be more of a five three two sort of five two three formation I think that the wing backs will stay a bit deeper than they have done in recent games they'll be given the license to go forward but off the ball it'll become very much a five whereas at Bournemouth it was a bit more they were very advanced at times the wing backs and at home they play that system but I think that'll be the way Benitez tries to deal with this Arsenal going forward are very good but defensively they have weaknesses as well so I do see there being goals in this one um, it's just a case of whether Newcastle United can restrict the number of chances Arsenal themselves have. Of course, Lascelles uh, went off with a knee injury and then missed the last game. He has been pictured back in training. Do you see what do you see there? Do you think he will be back? I think there's a decent chance he will be back, given that it's the Monday, given that he has been back in training and he's had a, a bit of extra time. Benitez won't risk him and won't rush him back. So if Lascelles isn't quite ready, then I think that he'll stick with the back three who played at Bournemouth and that was interesting in the sense that Lejeune has played the left centre-back role for the majority of this season when he has been playing because Cher's been at right centre-back and then you've had Lascelles in the middle Fernandez was in the middle Lejeune had switched from left to right and then Dummett was at left centre-back Dummett certainly deserves another uh, display because he was brilliant at Bournemouth I can't see him dropping out so I think it's more a case of will it be Fernandez or Lascelles for that central role and at the moment I think Lascelles has a decent chance we'll hear from Rafa Benitez tomorrow but all the sounds I'm getting is he's got a decent chance of being available well certainly and fingers crossed because he has performed really well over the past few months largely probably down to Lejeune's influence as well who's been kind of a guiding light for Lascelles but it's been good to see Lascelles get back to just basically being that old-fashioned style defender, boot the ball in, in touch if need be. Um, whereas Fernandez is a little bit different. He's he's a, he's a ball-playing centre-back. He's someone who is a bit like Cher, but he just seemed a little bit out of sorts against Bournemouth. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, he hadn't started a Premier League game since he went off injured against Watford on December 29th or whenever it was. So he looked like a player who hadn't played in two and a half, three months. And... He just at times was a little bit off the pace, didn't quite have the touch he did during the first half of the season. So he'll get better with more football. He just looked a bit short of match sharpness. Lascelles has been very impressive so far in 2019. I thought he struggled at times towards the end of last year. Um, When he tries to play it out from the back, I think that's when he struggles. But when he focuses on his defensive role, he performs well. And having Cher and Lejeune alongside him has really helped with that. It'd be interesting to see at Arsenal if he does play, say if it was Dummett left centre-back, Lascelles in the middle and Lejeune right centre-back, whether only having one ball-playing defender alongside him, whether he's as comfortable in that role. Hopefully he will be because, as I say, I think the wing-backs will be slightly deeper than maybe they have been in recent weeks, but he just needs to focus on the defensive side and leadership because when he does that, I think he's very effective and it's when he tries to do a bit too much more 
I think that's when maybe he starts to unravel a little bit. Most certainly. Uh, you mentioned Paul Dummett there. Obviously, he's been missing through injury. Came back. Brilliant uh, clearance off the goal line and that picture taken by, I'm not sure who was the photographer, but I'm sure that might be framed and put in his house. It was a, it was a marvellous photograph, uh, overhead kickoff off the line. And it, for years, people have been saying he looks much more comfortable playing in centre-back. Obviously, he's, he's predominantly been a left-back, but I think there was a few instances under uh, under Pardew when he was used as centre-back and maybe under McLaren as well. Um, and to be fair, I, I, I agree with that. I think he does look better in a centre-back role. I think certainly he's a left centre-back because he's had that experience of playing as a left-back before. So if Newcastle are stretched out wide on the left, he, he knows how to cover across, he knows how to defend, and he's just very dependable um, and particularly having a ball playing centre-back like Lejeune alongside him. And I actually think he is becoming better and better on the ball, Dummett. He's never going to be the most technical player, but I think he is really improving in that regard. He's just dependable and reliable. So, yeah, I think particularly if Newcastle are playing this system, unless they are going to be playing a sort of an ultra-defensive left wing back, I think that's where he looks suited to being in this team. And we've said all season Newcastle have five centre-backs to choose from. Well, realistically, they have six because... Dummett provides that extra option and re- maybe even seven if you if you think that Isaac Hayden could maybe play as a right centre-back at certain points. He's done that before. So Newcastle are blessed with options in that position and they really do have strength and depth there. Given that Cher is missing and he's been brilliant going forward, picking the ball up, coming out, picking the pass, do you see that Shelby might be the man to come in at the centre midfield with Hayden and that won't affect the team too much. We've we've spoken before about the opinions that if Shelby comes in, you kind of take away the the effect of of Lejeune and Cher because they like to pick the ball up and and, and look for the pass. Shelby likes to sit deep and, and pick up the ball and look for the pass. But given Cher's absence, it might be the perfect time for Shelby to come in and and replace that kind of arsenal that that Cher does provide. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting argument. I think that. Certainly, Shelby will have been given every opportunity over the past fortnight. I would say that Modi Army will give physicality in midfield, which it depends how Benitez views it. Does he think that physicality will unsettle Arsenal, or does he think that we need to almost match them to a certain degree with a ball playing midfielder? If you need a ball playing midfielder, you would very much expect that would be Shelby, and then Hayden provide a bit of energy around him, be the one who's a bit more disruptive. But against Bournemouth, who play in a similar sort of way to Arsenal, albeit just not quite at the same level, he decided Diarmi was the player he needed. He needed that person who just disrupts and tries to stop stop the opposition playing. Um, so I think Benitez will have training this week and really taking into account who he thinks is performing the best and then also does it marry up with his game plan. So I, th- I think it's unlikely to be key. I think it's probably going to be one of those two who get the nod alongside Hayden, but which one, I'm not sure how Benitez is going to play it. Oh, certainly. Um, obviously, Arsenal got fantastic players uh, up front, Lacazette and Aubameyang. It's going to be a big test for Newcastle tonight, especially if Lascelles is just coming back in. He's missed a couple of games. If Fernandez is still not up to up to speed, it's really going to be a big test to keep one of them, if not both of them, quiet because you know they, they may well start together yeah I think they probably will start together at home and they really get along well together I wasn't sure when Arsenal first signed Aubameyang last January how that dynamic was going to work at the time Lacazette wasn't really performing that well but the two of them built a really good 
understanding and also what they do is because their their movement is so good they interchange it's very difficult to pick up on the two of them so they're really they really are the danger man look Arsenal have some brilliant players all over the pitch but they're the two players who really Newcastle have to watch out for because um, give them half a chance and they'll score so Newcastle's defence needs them and that's why I think the wing backs will drop a bit deeper because they're going to have to give extra support given the movement and the fact that both of those have a very good eye for goal do we see it being Yedlin um, on the wing back? Obviously, Captain America, Captain America, not the movie, Captain America during the week. Um, and obviously, you have Matt Ritchie on the on the other side. That's the that lineup you see. I think so. Yeah, maybe Mankio because he's been on Tyne side for the last fortnight, whereas Yedlin hasn't. But as I say, because it's a Monday night game. I think that Yedlin will be the one that Benitez will go for, particularly if it is having the fullbacks a bit deeper, because given Yedlin's extra pace, the wing backs will be able to get forward a little bit more. And he'll be on a on a high as well. He's just captain his country, so playing that, as a winger as well, I think, wasn't he? Or they were gonna try they certainly test him there as off the bench. I don't know how he played in the second game in the first game. He played as a winger, which I think will help Newcastle in the long run as well, because uh maybe not for this game where Yedlin maybe have to do a few extra defensive duties, but certainly in those matches where the wing backs are essentially given a license to attack if he is if he is becoming more uh, comfortable in a, in a winger role, then he brings that extra attacking element as well. Onto the midfield, onto the attackers, onto Miguel Almiron, who had a very um, interesting seven-minute cameo in Paraguay's last game. Had a hand in setting up a goal. Um, it was three 0 when he came off the bench. Uh, got the ball, set set Paraguay away, and they got they got a goal. And then moments later, I mean, inexplicably, just I can't remember who the player was, but it was a horrendous challenge. I've seen a few, a few people saying it wasn't that bad, but I tell you what, if that was the other way around, screaming blue murder, wouldn't we? So, I mean, Benitez, he comes back into tie inside, obviously back into training. Do you think Benitez has got a bit of a job to do? There he needs to put a, his arm around his shoulder and, and and maybe just kind of get into his head a little bit and and, and distract him from from what happened or do you think I'm me one just won't be that bothered? I think you will be bothered because it wasn't just the fact that he was sent off and they lost that game. They'd been disappointing in the match before against Peru when a lot had been expected of them. So I think it's been a bit of a deflating ten days or so for Almiron away with Paraguay. He's not someone you would necessarily expect to to be getting red carded for an awful challenge, but it was an awful challenge. Um and he, he it was reckless more than anything else and it was dangerous but I don't think he was necessarily deliberately trying to hurt him but I just thought it was a stupid challenge it was uh, as I say reckless and Benitez I think will take him to one side I think you chat to him and you say look just put that behind you you're back at Newcastle now with your focus is, is it needs to be on helping us in the final seven games of the season I think Almiron is a strong character mentally but he can't not have been affected by what has happened because it was it was so huge in terms of impact for the fact Paraguay lost, the fact that he got sent off. So I think the Benitez will just say to him, put that to one side, focus on Newcastle, go out and show against Arsenal and a big game, everyone watching what you can really do. And uh, hopefully Malmi Ron can decomp, de- uh, I was going to say decompartmentalise, was quite a difficult way to say that and put it to one side. But it's going to be it's going to be difficult for him and that that is the one I, I thought Almiron would play on Monday and I still think he will but there's just a part of me that thinks because of what happened 
Benitez will assess how he is once he's returned and maybe have him on the bench instead if he thinks he isn't quite right. But I, I, st- I think he will start, but th- I do think Benitez will have a th- think about that and just check that he is okay psychologically. I mean, that's going to be key because if he's still a bit angry with himself, then going into a Premier League game against Arsenal, who have got something to fight for, the the top four, the only a point behind, you know, obviously Spurs, are their, their local rivals, uh, my United just a couple of points behind them in fifth. So they've got something to fight for and it's, it'll be a physical game. And, you know, not, of course, we don't condone this, but when you've got a key player like Almiron, someone who likes to pick up the ball and run at defences, then a manager will probably say, you know, let him know you're there, let him know you're there. And Almiron's got to deal with that. And if he's still a little bit angry and he's still a little bit caught up in it, then, you know, he may well lash out. And that's something that Newcastle can't really afford you know, in the last six or seven games, we're missing such a key player like Almiron. Of course, this is all hypothetical, but this is what Benitez is is got to find out if he's if he is ready to play on Monday. Yeah, I'm not so much concerned that Almiron's going to lash out again in terms of making a terrible challenge, but I just feel that on Monday maybe someone will be able to 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 get into his head, as you say, and just wind him up and remind him of what happened. So I think Benitez has to assess that. He has to try and get him back focused on just playing. For Newcastle, and he may decide to take him out of the the spotlight on Monday and put someone like Atu in instead because of that. But uh, Almiron's been crucial to the way Newcastle have been playing, so it'll be a big call to do that. But at the end of the day, Benitez is is not afraid to to make those uh, big calls if he has to those big decisions. And so, he, as I say, him and his coaching staff they'll be keeping a close eye on him over the weekend and seeing just how he has responded to it. I mean, it would be the worst thing, would it? I mean, Atu came off the bench against Bournemouth and I mean Twitter was a was just full of praise from you were full of praise from you know really did in that brief cameo he had he changed the game and really gave Newcastle that kind of drive and push on to to get the to get the the, the goal um so he could co- quite easily come in he's obviously been away um could you would you would that be a change that you'd be happy with I wouldn't be against it no I mean as I say Almiron's been so important so I'm not advocating taking Almiron out the side necessarily but in a perverse sort of way, Almiron coming in has been both the best and the worst thing for, for Atu. It's been the worst thing in, in the sense that he's been out of the team. He's been the one who's been sacrificed. Having played reasonably well, certainly through Jan- December, January, but almost in a more defensive sort of role or sort of off the ball. He wasn't quite providing those assists or those killer passes. But since Almiron's come in, he's raised his game, he's raised his level. And I've thought the last couple of cameos, cameos he's done very well. At Bournemouth, he was the one who looked like he was going to create something. The back pass that wasn't came because of, of, of Atsu. He was the one who was getting to the byline, getting crosses across. He got Daniels to, to make a really bad tackle on him because he got round him, uh, basically sold him down the river. And so, yeah, I wouldn't be against Atsu playing in that match if... Uh, Benitez isn't quite sure on Almiron. I think Atsu's unlucky, and I certainly would be bringing Atsu on at some stage, even if he doesn't start. Most certainly. Um, on to then a kind of a positive international break, certainly for Salman Rondon, scored an absolute beautiful goal against Argentina. Um, then, but then, strangely, Venezuela were, were beaten in a, in a, a non-official friendly against um, Catalonia. And then there was a fallout about kits their kit sponsor allegedly had gone to decathlon and bought some knockoff strips and and just ironed on the badges and you know rondon wasn't overly happy about that but on the pitch he had a brilliant week and you know just continues this great form that you know shows why rafa benitez wanted him 
Yeah, he's been excellent so far in 2019, really since November when he got the first goals against Bournemouth. And I, I don't think he's gone more than three, is it three or four Newcastle games? I worked this out the other day why he hasn't contributed at least a goal or an assist um, since that period. So he's, he's he's crucial to the way Newcastle are going to play. I think he's going to find himself, as he has done in a few away games this season, isolated. He's going to have to hold the ball up, bring his teammates into play. And he does that extremely, extremely well. And Almiron will be important if he does play because he'll need to get up and, and give him support. The same with Perez. But Newcastle need that goal threat. And Matt Ritchie was speaking last week and he was saying about how refreshing it is to have a player you know he knows as a wing-back if he whips the ball into the box, Rondon will be there trying to attack it. And we know how effective he can be in the air. So he's had a very positive uh, 10 days or so away. He'll come back. I have no doubts that he will start on Monday night. Uh, even though he's been away on a national duty, there really is no competition from up front. Hosselu hasn't even been getting a match day squads. Muto, I don't see a start in this game. Perez is better in that slightly deep line role. So Rondon will play. Um, and again, He's just done an interview with the club website where he says that he's looking to add to his goal tie. He's already got 10 in all competitions, nine in the Premier League, looking for a 10th, which will be the most he's ever scored in a single Premier League season. And uh, obviously, the more and more he scores, the more and more there will be calls for him to be signed permanently. Most certainly. I mean, that's going to be key to keeping him off of Benitez. I mean, we asked this question in nearly every podcast, and we're not really any further along. But of course, a point against Arsenal or even a win. On Monday, we'll take Rafa Benitez's contract right into the kind of the forefront of uh, everyone's attention. I mean, it's already at the question everyone is asking, but once he gets that points tally, once Newcastle are safe, then it is the question everyone wants answered. As we stand, things are pretty much just as, as they were. Yeah, I don't think there's been any marked development over this fortnight. Unfortunately, I hope there may have been significant improvements. There is ongoing dialogue behind the scenes, but in terms of proper sit-down discussions involving Benitez, his representatives, Lee Charnley, other people. That hasn't taken place yet, mainly because Benitez is reluctant to at this stage. He wants Newcastle to get the points tally he thinks they need to be to be safe. That's around the 38 mark he suggested. So that would suggest warm wins. If they did get a surprise win on, on Monday night, maybe then, maybe by that stage, but possibly we may have to wait a little bit longer till the 40 point mark. It's unfortunately dragging on. Uh, the uncertainty is, is frustrating. There were reports last weekend in the Sunday newspapers that to do with Rondon specifically and claims that Mike Ashley had told Benitez that you, you're not signing Rondon. I don't think it's been necessarily as clear-cut as that. I think the club would prefer not to um, because of all the reasons why they didn't sign him permanently last summer, age, potential, the fact that he'd won a two- or three-year contract, so then he's getting into his, his 30s. Um, and that Benitez has also been told that going forward Newcastle want to uh, reinforce the overarching model they've always had of signing players age 26 or under now I don't think Benitez is completely adverse to that as an overarching model but he wants the ability to be able to make exceptions to it well exactly this is his argument he says you went down last time you enforced this policy stringently um, you didn't have the experience to help build these players. They didn't appreciate values. Maybe they could have done. Obviously, some of them did, and the likes of Wijnaldum, Circle, but not all of them appreciated values. Maybe they could if you had experienced players alongside them. So he likes to bring through youngsters. He says he would like to to have this model, but as long as he can also have experience alongside it. So last summer he signed plenty of experience in Rondon, Key, 
Fernandez. He signed Dubravka, which is slightly different because he's a goalkeeper and, and the model doesn't quite encompass goalkeepers as much as the positions. But certainly, it's not just about transfer funds that Benitez wants to talk about. It's about how he's able to use those funds, how much control he has, and whether he is going to be able to, to buy players like Rondon if he wants to or not. Yeah, I mean, most fans, well, I, I suspect every fan would like to see Rondon sign. It'll certainly be interesting to see what happens there. Um, before I ask for your score prediction, just a reminder, if you head over to Twitter, follow us on there at EIBW Podcasts, where you'll find all the podcast-related stuff. And if you can subscribe and like us on iTunes, Spotify, whatever pod- podcast platform you listen through. Um, and also just a word on some kind of off-the-field things in Newcastle that have come out over the past few days, which I think are brilliant. First of all, you've got uh, how they've eradicated the use of plastic bottles at the training ground. Up to most recently, we're using 48,000 plastic bottles on average a year. Um, that's just the players you know, on the training pitch and what have you. They've eradicated that. They've all been given their uh, refillable bottles, which is which is great for the environment. And the club have just announced that they'll be supplying free sanitary products for their female fans as well in the toilets, hopefully before the end of the season, which is another great move. Um, which I guess it reminds you that through all the chaos and what have you on the pitch and with Benitez and transfers and the future of the club, that off the pitch... Um, you know, in the community, there there are really good projects going on. Yeah, I mean, there's sometimes there's some fans who, on the more extreme end of the scale, who try to portray Newcastle as some sort of evil empire, some sort of evil club. And I certainly don't think that's the case in a lot of regards. Yes, I I don't like a lot of what they do in terms of uh, at the very top with some of the decisions that have been made over the last. Uh, 13 years and they have got some things wrong and they're not perfect in a lot of ways but there's some very good people working for Newcastle United some people who have very good intentions and one thing you've never really been able to accuse them of even though prices went up this year as season tickets have always remained or ticket prices have always remained extremely competitive when compared to some other clubs uh, the initiative with the food bank has been brilliant uh, the NUFC Foundation over the last 10, 11, 12 years has been brilliant and that, that continues to go from strength and to strength. Calf ran today, which is Thursday, which is a brilliant yeah. opportunity, you know, addresses the kind of the mental health issues that men and obviously females sometimes aren't willing to talk about, but a great way to, to offer a branch, olive branch out there to fans. Yeah, and I mean, this is what a football club can and should be in Newcastle United. It's the cliche that you get with Barcelona more than a club, but in, in Newcastle, it is the focus of the city, and I do believe the football club can and is, in a lot of regards, uh, a power for good in and change in the city. I went to uh, to listen to Lee Charnley and also a few others, uh, the leader of the council, Nick Forbes, and quite a few other people at uh, basically a, a, an event for the foundation where they were trying to to raise money for the new home that the foundation are going to have, which is just half a mile away from St. James's Park, uh, which Shola Amiobi is, is heavily involved in. And, and just the fi- the facts and figures that came out about how influential Newcastle is to the local economy, but also how influential the, fa- the foundation is to the community and the economy. So the club, in a lot of regards, does things positively. And I, th- I don't think that that's always uh, given necessarily uh, the positive feedback it should be. But they, these... The, the idea for sanitary products in the toilets and also uh, the plastic water bottles, I think, 
eradicating them. I think these are another two great initiatives. And also, that I think early in the season they had, uh, they very much were on board the Premier League's uh, fight against homophobia and also fight against racism, which at the moment, given some things that have been going on over the international break, both very important causes. Well, certainly. So your score prediction then for Monday night? Unfortunately, I'm not predicting a win. I think it'll be a good game, though. I'm going to go 2-1 to Arsenal. Um, yeah, I just think that for all the reasons we've already outlined, I think I can't see any way Newcastle go at the Emirates and win. I hope I'm wrong and I hope they prove us wrong, but I think that uh, Newcastle are going to have to wait for the Crystal Palace game at the earliest to reach that 38-point mark. So there you have it. If you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk, keep up to date with all the latest in the Castle United news. Thank you very much for joining us.